Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Trisha Barker back with us. She last on with us uh, about two years ago. Trisha is an intuitive medium experiencing a profound near-death experience herself during her senior year of college. We'll have her talk about that. And this experience guided her to teach all over the place, overseas in public schools at the college level. Her near-death experience story has been featured on I Survived Beyond and Back and featured on the Dr. Oz show as well. Trisha, welcome back. Always good to chat with you. I'm excited to talk with you tonight. How are you? I'm fine, and I hope you are weathering everything. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, I'm excited to talk with you about all these different topics. For those who didn't hear you a couple of years ago, tell us about this near-death experience. What happened to you? Yeah, so as briefly and succinctly as I can put it, I was in a car accident and fractured three vertebrae in my spine, but there were, was a lot of internal damage. And so I waited a while for surgery. And when I was taken in for emergency spinal surgery, my heart stopped at some point during the operation. And I lifted up out of my body. And the first thing that I saw were these angels or light beings. They were just massive, intelligent beings. And I remember thinking, Oh, my God, they work through the surgeons. I think these brilliant surgeons do not realize that these higher beings are actually assisting them in surgery. And that, was, that really shook me up because I was agnostic, and I placed a lot of importance on the brain and you know, materialism and to see that there was this other side and this, this disconnection from my own body, that was alarming enough on, on some level, but to see that we were actually assisted by other beings. That, that just blew my mind. And the experience was peaceful and beautiful. I mean, I felt complete happiness to know that on bliss. a spiritual level we go on. You had that state of bliss, didn't you? Yeah, and the bliss just got deeper and deeper. And for people who have experiences that stop, like just right there at that out-of-body experience, they really miss out on the deeper consciousness experience. And I think some of the most important parts of a near-death experience are the oneness experience that blending with all that is, you know, from plants, animals, the sky, people, but especially people. I felt connected to everyone I had ever known at a heart level. I mean, and this is even like someone who just handed me a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, as my soul was leaving right. this body, I just felt oh, hey, let me send you love and tell you to have a good life and kind of spread this goodwill throughout everyone I knew. And, you know, even people who had been cruel to me, there was still this sense of, oh, this is just a little bit of a physical game we play down here. Let's just let go and move to this higher perspective of compassion. And some of the key elements of my near-death experience was the life review and I learned not to be judgmental. You know, younger people mm-hmm. can be very cliquish and judgmental. And I was, you know, in my early 20s at that time, a college student. And I saw that we miss out on all these amazing people by not looking at their hearts and understanding who they are inside. And that was one of the deeper lessons of the near-death experience. But Ultimately, you know, I saw my grandfather in the afterlife, and he asked me if I wanted to go on 
And I knew that go on meant going really deep into this experience. And I started getting these universal messages, like love is all that matters, it's all we take with us, and other messages like be like a little child, uh, remind them to go to nature. And as I was moving away from my grandfather toward the light, I felt people's prayers trying to pull me back into my body. And one thing I get asked a lot by people who listen to near-death experiencers is they go, well, does prayer work? Well, what I see prayer as, as the soul over there, as I see it as an energy. So if you're praying with love for someone, even if they die, that person's soul will take in all that information and they will know your love from the other side. They will understand it. So communication there is sent through light, telepathy, and emotion, really, the emotion of love. That's the easiest way to communicate. So as I, as I moved through those prayers and went to that light of God, everything that had been wrong in my life, I don't know, there's a lot of people on this planet who walk around and they feel chronically uncomfortable in their mm-hmm. bodies. Uh, and that would be me. And for the first time in my life, in that presence of the divine, uh, this unconditional love, I felt so good. I felt safe. I felt taken care of. I felt loved just as I, I am. And that was such a relief. You know, it's like this whole human journey had, uh, had just suddenly made sense in the presence of the divine. And what's kind of unusual about my experience and why it gets studied by researchers a lot is a lot of people walk through life and they're looking for their soul mission, but up in that realm near God, I was given a particular mission. And I was told to come back and work in schools and to be a teacher. And I, I'd grown up poor, so my whole desire was to go to law school and to make money and, and really just to be successful. You know, like I'd had no intention of being of service to the world, you know, in, in, in any way. I was all about me. And in that moment, you know, I was shown that I would be of service and that I would help a lot of people and I would remind them of their potential, and that was my mission. And so when you're given a mission like that, you have to follow it. And I have to uh, say, you know, that it, the whole experience just reoriented me in a way that has uh, changed my life for the better. I was going to say, did the NDE illuminate your abilities as well, your oh. psychic abilities? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, as <laughs> soon as I was back in my body, my consciousness kind of felt like it filled up the room. And I started reading people's thoughts. Uh, you know, there was like a certain amount of EFT that I had right away. There was this sense of just being very in tune with other people. So if they were in my vicinity, if they were in my realm, you know, I joke if someone walks into my aura, which is about eight feet in front of my body, I'm going to pick up a lot of what. Um, is going on in their life. It, it's, and now I only do this if they give permission, you know, if, if this is in a reading or they come to me. But sometimes, you know, in, in the early moments after that near-death experience, I didn't know how to handle these abilities, and you're just blown wide open. So I was this young person who, you know, would, would get flashes of the future like 10 minutes ahead of time, and, uh, you know, there were experiences with 
the paranormal. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was like most of my life suddenly was opened up to, you know, these mystical experiences. Well, Tricia, did it open up the door to more ghostly experiences and apparitions? Yeah, yeah. There were some really interesting moments. Like there was uh, one where I was in um, Vermont, and this is a few years after my near-death experience, and we were near, I was with a group of girls, and we were near an Indian burial ground, and we were about to pack up, and this was, before cell phones, but we had laptops, and and one girl did have a cell phone. It was kind of early um, cell phone days, and every bit of electronics in the place just started going haywire, uh, just beeping and, and doing weird things, and the laptop was completely powered off. It turned on, Microsoft Word opened up, and then the laptop itself started typing different letters. And we were in shock. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, wait a minute. There's a spirit here. I understand what's going on. I'm going to talk with it, and I'm going to tell it how to cross over and how to go to the light. And so I just imagined this portal of light, and I felt the energy of the spirit, and I just watched it go through this portal of light. And you know, my friends were in shock, but to me, I just felt like this is going to happen because I've crossed the veil and I will just encounter this from time to time. Now, since you've been doing this, you then became a medium in when, 2016 or before that? You know, I, I, um, I didn't publicly become one until I started talking a lot about the near-death experience, and then many different parents from Helping Parents Heal started contacting me, and I felt this obligation after doing a couple of readings because one woman was really beating herself up, and she believed that she had been the cause of her son's death by telling him not to fix the window in his car oh, until geez. he got his next paycheck, and he was he was sideswiped and, and killed in a car accident. And, you know, I knew nothing about him, but I just went into meditation and wrote down everything that I got and sent it to her. And what I saw was that her life, changed. She experienced greater healing because of that reading and got back together with her husband, started taking her health more seriously. And I thought, wow, you know, medium readings can really offer release of uh, guilt and shame and and can bring people to deep forgiveness with someone uh, that they had not previously had forgiveness with, or they can just feel a connection when, and, and sometimes I do get readings with people who, you know, their religion kind of holds them back from from going to a medium, but they experience the loss of, say, a partner. And when they lose someone they love so deeply, they're willing to take that chance. And, you know, that's incredibly healing, too, to see people feel better. When did you decide to offer this ability, this gift, to the public? Um, I think it was around 2016 when I started um, just doing it for free and seeing if I could do it because I knew I could talk to my own relatives and I knew that I had this sense about people when they were ill that I kind of knew when they were going to die. So I felt like I had this this connection to that realm. And, and after doing several, you know, readings for free, I just thought, well, I, I can't 
keep doing this because it's taking up time from my teaching. So if I'm going to teach extra classes at the college, well, I, I need to actually charge for this and maybe just teach the minimum at the college and do more of the uh, readings. Now, did you have the ability to teach other people how to do this too? Yeah, you know, that's always my wish when I give a reading, and I love it when we both start hearing the person or connecting with the same person. I always think that the energy of mediums, that we can activate this and other people because it is, it is just tapping into an awareness. And some people, maybe even without near-death experiences, are just wired, you might say, they... Uh, they're just good at leaving their bodies. Maybe they've experienced trauma in life, or maybe they just have a great imagination, or you know, there's lots of reasons why some people's consciousness just stays a little bit outside of their body. So for some people, it's a big jump. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of training that they they need to experience that. But sure. But I like teaching workshops in this way because I I find that even uh, people who are struggling with it, they do make a breakthrough eventually. They'll, they'll email me a year later and go, okay, you know, I've meditated for a year, but I finally had that experience that I'm looking for. So I think we all have that ability. It just can take a little longer for some people. Do you have many skeptics out there? Oh, yes. My dear friends uh, from college were agnostic like me, and I'm still close to some of them. And, you know, they... Their minds cracked open a little bit when they read my book, but for the most part, you know, that isn't the realm that they like to play in, so they always have this conversation around, well, that's nice. I guess people just need comfort when they, you know, like when they hear about readings instead of realizing, like, there's been so many studies on consciousness. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, this is pretty common. It's very common sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, and, and it's also beyond being studied by science, it's an ancient knowing. You know, this is something that uh, isn't new. And, you know, probably probably ancient people would look back and go, well, of course we talk to ancestors, you know, like, duh. <laughs> what have you learned uh, at this point about the other side? What's out there? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it depends on the soul. I've seen some very creative, imaginative souls, like one that comes to mind is a man who built a lot of skyscrapers and he was an architect. And when he transitioned over there, he was still fascinated by architecture. So in that realm, he continued to build things almost with the hope that someone here might pick up on some of his creations because there's a lot of ideas perhaps just out there, and if you're open, you might pick up on one. So to him, that was still fun, and he was waiting for his his partner to, to transition and, and be with him. So there was this sense of he just loved to create, and other people are students. I mean, oh, my God, they, they want to know everything from the beginning of time, you know, and just know everything about every human being, life on other planets, you know, they want to go, they just want to know everything. And this, this is uh, kind of exciting for some souls. And some souls who, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the book, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, but there seems to be some truth to what she writes in that book. And 
Annie Kagan talks about her brother going way far out into the oneness at different times he he just journeyed so deep into that that he almost became one with God, but then his spirit came back. So I've seen that. But I've seen other other spirits stay very connected and very close to their loved ones, as if they're just there if they're needed. They're just like right there on the other side of the veil, and that's quite common too. Trisha, are there some common denominators among people who have had uh, near-death experiences? You've interviewed many are you finding something that just keeps popping up, very similar? Yeah, so those of us who've had that oneness experience and gone to that light of God, we're kind of funny characters because we love all people. So there's this sense of whoever is in front of us, we just love them. And, you know, this can be uh, misunderstood a lot of times, so it's great when you're a public speaker or when you're working with crowds of people, but, you know, this is a... Uh, you know, we joke about it a lot, but we're a very loving group, and we also have a certain energy. So at these IANS conferences in different places, we often just, like, blow out electronics. So, you know, a group of near-death experiencers walks into the hotel, and then suddenly none of the card machines work <laughs> because, you know, our energy is really high. We're excited and happy to be there. So there's, um, you know, there's that interpersonal dynamic between experiencers, but one of the things that really strikes me is how we long to talk with other people who've had these experiences, because it's kind of like being in war or being a veteran, you know, how people can really relate only to other people who have had those experiences. Yeah, been there. there's this sense of camaraderie and this knowing, you know, I call them my brothers and sisters in the light because they just remember. And it's this sense of, hey, you know, this is, this is a real experience and we share it. Have most of them all had this illuminating experience where when they come back, they're more enlightened? You know, when people have these brief out-of-body experiences, sometimes they push them down and they forget about them, and it isn't this, like, blown wide open experience for them. Later, they might come back to it and follow a spiritual path and, and open up that way. But, but I think when you go far enough to get to that unconditional love of God or the divine, whatever you want to call it, I think there is a certain level of higher consciousness that's brought back and I'm not saying that life can't beat you up and you know like really make you very much in your body here and very much about the mundane details of of just living but I think you can never shut the door to that knowing it's it's something that even if I tried really hard um, I couldn't push it away. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.